Even if you did capture the Avatar, it would not solve our problems. You must never give in to despair. Allow yourself to slip down that road, and you surrender to your lowest instincts. This is Uncle Iroh from Avatar: The Last Airbender. You are listening to a special presentation from Steambox: The Joyful Rebellion. In the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. Hey, this is Roberto. You're back with another Steambox podcast. Today, I'm with the Warriors from Central Falls. Warriors from Central Falls, please say what's up to the world. What's up? I'm really excited to bring back Joyful Rebellion. You guys probably don't know this because I haven't talked to many of you in a while. I did announce last week that after almost a year, we finally reclaimed number one podcast in the world uh, in education. As of this Friday, two weeks in a row, number one podcast in the world in education. So I'm really excited. That happened here in Central Falls. I love my other schools that I'm working with, and they're all doing great work. But this podcast started here, and it's been amazing, and it's been dope. This ride has been dope. I just want to say thank you to all the people in this room, because it's when you share and are vulnerable, that's what's really got audiences going. I know we've had a lot of tears in previous years during Joyful Rebellion, but we've also had a lot of smiles, too. We've got Sandra Victorino. Sandra, welcome back. Hi. Thank you Hi. for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to have you. Does anybody here, not from last year, not from last year, because I know some of you met her last year, but does anybody here recognize Sandra from around the school? Have any of you seen Sandra in the school? I've been in the school. Yeah, I've been. I go to Dr. Uh, Obegi's uh, classroom and I go see Catherine um, mm -hmm. at, at NCF sometimes. So I see some students out and about in the library, in the hallway. So I don't know who's who, but... And then the students that are in Dr. Opegi's class normally around noon. What are you doing with Opegi's? Uh, one of the greatest teachers in the world. He reminds me of one of my heroes in the business, um, who Edward James almost played in Stand and Deliver. Yeah. Jaime Escante. Yeah, I can see it. Can you see it? I can see it. I feel like I'm the only person who even knows the reference. <laughs> but that's my dude. Like, like he's that that teacher that I mentioned that I compared Opegi to is literally one of my inspirations. Just an amazing teacher with an amazing story. So what are you doing with Obegi? So I am actually on the advisory committee for the biomedical committee. Like it really, there's an advisory committee of professionals. So I'm the director of workforce development and community relations at Care New England. And so the reason I ended up taking that job was because I wanted to make sure that people didn't struggle as much as I did as a therapist, as a provider. Um, I was pretty fortunate that I had the right mentors at the right time and ended up exactly where I was supposed to be at 24 years old with my master's. But there's a lot of people that I see that get stuck being, you know, either CNAs or medical assistants or don't even have the opportunity to be in those jobs. And so I want to start everybody young. I ended up with 12 credits, um, college credits before I graduated from high school, which allowed me to have my degree in psychology and Spanish before by the time I was 22. So you left high school with college credits. Yeah. We're actually doing summer programs for our audience. Any people who are in CF or I think in Rhode Island. We have, uh, this is what, last time I saw you when we were talking to Catherine, yeah. we're going to be doing a, a podcasting program in this room for just a week and you can get college credits. It's those little kind of things that can build up college credits. Yeah. That gave you a boost. It gave me a boost. And so it really made me know what it was like to be in a classroom. It made me, gave me 
So I know that one of the things that you all may dig into is imposter syndrome. It really helped me when I walked into college not to feel to feel like I had the ability to do it because without that kind of knowledge beforehand, I always find that if I prepare myself ahead of time as much as possible, then I have a little bit of less anxiety when I walk into the room. Who here in this room knows what imposter syndrome is? Uh, imposter syndrome is when you're doing good, but you feel like, why do you deserve all of this? Like, why are you here? You you don't you're not the person you don't deserve it. Like you don't deserve. What you want to tell me more? Uh, I was gonna say it's when you feel like like what he said. Like when you don't feel like you belong where you are at because of whatever circumstances. Whatever circumstances, right? And those circumstances might be different. It might be like I might feel too young to be in a certain room. I might feel uh, as a Latino in a room full of white people. I might feel like, do I belong here? Um, or almost any of the isms. Have you felt those things before? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I felt that through most of, like I went to a leadership program when I was a sophomore in high school in the summer and I walked in and there was some kids that had significant wealth in that program. And I didn't come with that. Like I, my parents were migrant workers. They worked in farms uh, until I was 13, 12 years old. And so I lived all over the United States. And, you know, I was I'd going to gas stations. I remember the first time when someone called me a dirty Mexican. And, you know, those things stick to you and you believe those things like when you're called names like that. And so I really had to work hard for a long time. I would listen to the voice of my mentors or the people that were good to me. And that's what I anytime I had the situation where I had anxiety or something like that would come up where it was like, oh, you're just a migrant worker and you're in this space. You're not supposed to be here. I would remember like a really good teacher or someone like you or Peggy or people that believed in me and said, you belong, you belong. And that was the voice that I would hear rather than the voice of the naysayers. Mm -hmm. And so because the more anxiety, like the more you feel anxiety, nervousness, or kind of these different experiences, the more we fumble. Like the way I started, like, hey, because I get overwhelmed. And so, like, I have to. When you like, started this podcast? Yeah, yeah. I was you're like, already considering was, that a fumble. <laughs> we're thinking about five minutes ago, and you're already considering yeah, that a fumble. Exactly, right? So that's exactly it. And here I am as a professional who's been doing this stuff for 15 years. And every time I walk into the room, because I have a lot of respect for you all. Like, I have a lot of respect for what you experience, what your lives are. And I haven't been a teenager in I don't know how long. So, like, my world is you a know little how, different. You know how long. <laughs> I do. You know it's been long. a long time. No. Uh, but it's, it's. Um, I, like, I respect all of y'all and what you guys are doing here. And so, like, I'm like, oh, I'm the new person coming in. And so it feels like, I'm like, oh, I haven't been a new person in a long time. But y'all humble me in that way because then I remember... I'm a guest to your space, and it's just like a privilege and an honor to be here. It's it's a little different in Central Falls because there's so many people who look like you in Central Falls. But in the communities that I was in growing up, I, wa I didn't live in Central Falls. And in, in Providence, it was very different, and probably especially at the schools that I was at. And I felt that some of you just did some, some, some great work in theater with uh, Dr. Grant. And when I was doing... <laughs> Keith is Keith is having trauma and flashbacks. When I was when I was in theater, it was one thing when I was here in Providence, when I was in Providence, but when I went to school in Boston in theater, it was a totally different crowd. I felt imposter syndrome. I felt like I didn't belong. And you know what I did? And I had awards by that point. I had awards at the high school level 
for my work in theater. So and so I thought I could carry that work on to to college. But when I saw everybody there looked a certain way and had like the cargo pants and and, you, you know, the like the, the white people with the dreads kind of thing. Like when I saw a lot of that, I was like, I, I don't belong here. And the truth is, at that point in my life, very different point in my life, at that point in my life, I left. And what I find super interesting is that you are in one of those groups that I think is very similar. It feels like a, it feels like I'm not knocking your group. I know you love your group, mm -hmm. but you're in one of those groups that feels like a very like like it's a white people thing. So I haven't been with the group. Um, I actually jumped out. I everything oh, yeah, no, 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 it's okay. Um, I so one of the things that I have, I give everything a try, right? And then when it becomes because anything that's an activity for me, every year I try something new, because it makes me remember like the to make sure um, to remember that. It takes a while for people to learn something. When you be, you're a therapist for a long time, like sometimes you're like, why isn't someone getting something so quick? And like, I'm like, oh, I'm talking about this stuff all the time. This is my world, right? Like, this is what I know. So as a therapist, I had to check myself many, many years ago. And I said, you need to learn something new every single year because you need to humble yourself to like practice and feel uncomfortable and like learn something new. So every year for the last 10 years, I have done something new. I ran a marathon. I've learned how to climb. I wanted to learn how to play the drums. I'm doing bomba this year with um, the Puerto Rican um, uh, Lydia uh, Perez and Felena. Like I, I've gone to their studio. I learned salsa and bachata from Mambo Pati. Like they're I, I needed, even though the drum troupe wasn't uh, an avenue for me to make myself feel more vulnerable in public and yep. in, in like kind of performance arts, I needed something that was more connected Bro, to my culture. How much more vulnerable can you be than she had just done our podcast last year? Was anybody here for that? Does anybody remember? Some of you are here for that. She had just done our podcast last year and... Three or four weeks later, I see her in the gay pride parade with the drums and she's doing her thing. Like, how much more vulnerable can you be in a predominantly like white group? Yeah. And it's, it was like, you know, they welcomed me in. They accepted me in. But I needed something that was more connected to my cultura. And I think that that's why it's so important that regardless of, of the feelings that we have, it's always making sure that you guys connect back to like spaces like this. Right. That remind you of certain of what you desire to have. Like I I love safe spaces. Like safe spaces are my places. And so like even though that that was a really great place to be, it was really awesome to be like this year to be learning like being able to speak Spanish and English in a space is amazing for me. I like I love doing that because it's like I can have both of my culturas with me. I'm I'm really hoping that my niece has your courage. She just got some amazing like um science scholarship where she's going to some state to like listed. There were two from each state selected. And those are the kind of things I worry about because those are the areas that where, where I would feel sometimes like, damn, how do I fit in? You know what I mean? Everybody has earned their spot here. And I question, my question is for you guys, have any of you had those moments where you kind of walk in the door and, and you have to confront whether or not you belong or whether or not you have that going on go ahead so um i guess the first time was probably in middle school surprisingly which was um i won a 
event basically that we had to write a essay to win a some kind of competition and everyone in each school around central falls and the middle school at the times was a winner so when i got there i was like oh it's probably going to be like me and some hispanics some ha because that's the majority of the culture that's around us i got there and it was like those people were smart and it's like, no, not to call you out, but they're like Noah. There was like a bunch of Noah. There was just a so bunch of smart people. And it was only four of us. And when I got in, they were talking about physics. And I was like, you guys are learning physics in middle school? And like, I felt so out of place because they were so, so much smarter than me and had so much more experience when it came to writing and all of that sort of stuff that I just did not know how to interact with them. Mm. I could not find common um, ground. How did you? This one girl was very into anime. Yep. Yeah. You brought them back down to ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because she was very into anime and I was so really big into anime. So we were just talking and the other two kind of fell out of the conversation and just were staring at us the entire time. What did you have? Me? Oh, I was going to say like every time, like great instance. Um, one that I remember is the first day I ever came to Steambox where I was like, oh, I have no, like, I don't know any of these people. Like, I just came from Pawtucket. Like, this is new to me, something like that. And the what prompted me to come here to this type of school program is that my mom was like, yo, you gotta meet someone at least. Like, like you can't be here every day in your room just 24 seven after school. Like, it's, it, it's a problem. And this is like, all right, fine, I'll do something. And while I was forced to do it, I was like, you know what? These guys are kind of like, you know, so it's me in some way. So I was like, all right, you know, I met a lot of people along the way. Like, but yeah, I had a lot of fun and stuff like that. Uh, I saw <laughs> imposter syndrome on your face on that first day. And I'm so happy that you stuck with us because while I had some nightmares on the other side of the world, I'm so happy that you got to come around the other side of the world and explore that with me and taste some of that stuff with me. I'm so happy that you stayed and defeated your imposter syndrome. Uh, for me... The day of prom when I got my civic leadership award thing, because it was like a lot of people. I didn't know how many schools Rhode Island had. It was two people from each school. And each one of them got the civic leadership award, including me. So when I got there, it was already packed. I was like, damn, where am I going? I don't even know any of these kids. They all look smart as hell. And I, I, don't, even, I don't even know how I got the award because I don't do well in academic things. Were you thinking about that like the whole time? No, because I left really early. <laughs> I was feeling bad. I had food poisoning. I had to go. So I felt that it has I was there. And then for like 10 minutes, then I did. So that's just it. I was uncomfortable. I know this is a wild shift. And I'm going to definitely come to you on the same topic. Um, since I know we wanted to talk about anxiety today, it was definitely food poisoning, not anxiety. Because anxiety presents itself in different ways. And I, I threw up the day before after I had some bad nachos from the school. Okay. <laughs> So it, it was definitely still that. Um, before I get to the next two on this topic, just I'm wondering about that. Have have Has any of your anxiety ever manifested itself in a way that made you sick or ill or anything like that? What happens to you when you're anxious? When I get really anxious, I get really thirsty. Interesting. Like, I like abnormally thirsty. Like when, when my mom has like some big news for me and she doesn't tell us, I have like seven water bottles just in front of me, constantly to get it. Yeah. Like, I just can't stop drinking water. I have no energy. I have zero energy when I when, it, when my anxiety is hitting. And my son gets stomach aches 
every like I can recognize it. I know because he's gonna be like, I have a stomachache. I'm gonna be like, you're anxious, right? Like I know, I know my son. Um, what are the signs? What are the signs? You have a sign? So, yeah. Oh, I play with my fingers a lot, or like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I do that like that, or I just do whatever, and then I just like play with the most random stuff. Okay. I pick at my scalp. You pick oh, at yeah. your scalp. Yeah. So it's like I, I'm like, yeah. So I used to do what she does, play with my hands, but I used to do it behind my back. Now my hands, ju- my hands or m- my legs just shake out of nowhere. Interesting. I can't really. Control you find it. yourself physically shaking. Yes, I literally am. My hand will go like this. The more anxious I am, the faster my yeah. hands shake. It happened a couple of days ago. Actually, my hands were shaking like this. I had them both together, and they were just like this. I that's, couldn't stop it. That's a tell. People can see, just like I know when my son has anxiety. Yeah. People who know you can see when yeah, you have my anxiety. Hands, my hands went like this. My legs were shaking. I was barely even able to stand up. Were you able to identify what it was that made you feel that way? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, so those are, it's awesome that you guys know your signs. Like I have my, the back of my arms. I feel it in the back of my arms. Like I'll start feeling it tingle and then I actually feel it in my feet. And it's the worst when I feel it in my feet. Like I just want to like take off my shoes, my socks and run. <laughs> like that's normally what happens. It's funny because it's so different from mine. You would yeah. think that as humans, right? The yeah, it would be. Very similar. And I think it's like, it just is where like, I don't know, like, because when I feel open, it's like my hands are open. Like when I'm having like good anxiety, because there's sometimes I have good anxiety, like I'm so excited. Like, I feel it in the front of my arms and my hands. My hands open up, actually. Mm. So, but the thing that I've done is that whenever I start to feel something like that, like you stated, right? Like, when your mom's going to give you news, like, you can identify when it's coming. And so, that's what I started to pay attention is, like, whenever my body was giving me cues like that, it's like, what's happening around me that's starting to make me feel this way? And so, like, you know, this morning, I, I had this huge meeting and I was welcoming new people and I was just vulnerable with the information. So instead of staying with my own anxiety, I was just like, whoa, I'm extremely overwhelmed in a really good way. So I'm going to fumble through my words, but we're in a roll through this meeting. And it's one of the ways that I've been able to kind of walk into that, like walk into myself, like my quirky ass self and talking about these things and doing the things that I do, like the way you tell the students to walk into their nerdiness, like. It's like walking into your vulnerability and just accepting it. But it's important for like if you all are picking up on any of the signs, like when you start fidgeting with your hands, it's like, why am I fidgeting with my hands? It's pretty cool because then you'll stop focusing sometimes on your hands. You're like, well, what's around me that's making me feel this way? Because then you can prepare yourself for it before (laughs) you put your you go into a situation like that. And before we before we sign off later, you might have a technique for us. Or a tool for us that might help in situations like that. I don't know. I'm putting you on a spot right now. <laughs> anybody else have any? Uh, anybody else have any physical tells before I get back to the? What's yours? Uh, Mine is like just like there's a physical shaking with my hands, yeah, and picking at my scalp. I have a lot, but most of mine aren't very visible. My most prominent one, I would say, uh, that's not visible, is whenever I feel something, my gut drops and my vision gets blurry. Really? Yeah. That's why. That's why. Uh, like two years ago, uh, ever since twenty twenty, I started growing out my hair because I just I had very bad anxiety. So I like. Uh, I, Is it your disguise? Is it like when I wear a hoodie, I think I'm invisible, right? Like I know I'm a little kid like that, and when I wear a hoodie, I think the world can't see me. Like uh, Harry Potter's cloak. Uh, is a little cloak. 
Yeah, is that I think it's just that if they can't see where I look, that I should be fine because they can't tell what I'm feeling or what I'm doing. So they can't look into your soul. I sometimes get more paranoid a little bit, and I sometimes, and I sometimes can't swallow properly. Interesting, interesting. You get paranoid. Is that you thinking about? Do you overthink in those moments? Uh, usually. Huh. Go ahead. See, it's like what send, uh, she said, is that sometimes I actually catch myself like, oh, you're kind of doing this, you're kind of drinking too much, probably just less chill and breathe. When I do that and then try to speak, I literally cannot get the words out of my throat. <clears throat> it's like if I don't constantly drink the water, my body just, my throat just fills on shut down. Yeah. And my mom always like calls me out on it. And she's like, you're really anxious, aren't you? And I'm like, it's like, I just can't talk. So thank you all for bearing with me. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back one step so that I could go back forward into the anxiety conversation. But did you have uh, one anxiety thing that you want to share? And I'm, when I'm like anxious and I can't like sit still. Yes. Yeah. It's really weird. Oh, um, but I'm, I'm putting my, myself out there. I got to like take a shit. <laughs> I have a feeling that I need to take a shit. But then, like, I don't actually need to, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You gotta poop. Anybody else have to poop when they're feeling anxious? I have to pee. Poop. Pee. Oh my God. I just, I, yeah. Yeah, so just like, yeah. Like what Emer said, when your gut drops, I'm like, dang. Yeah. Maybe I gotta go. So, you two wanted to chime in on uh, let's finish the imposter syndrome conversation because I found that really interesting too. You guys had something to share for imposter syndrome. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um. So last year, I went to like the sum brown summer, whatever it, it is at Brown. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think. No, it was like Brown Summer High School. That's yes. what it was. Okay. Yeah. Um. And it was like, I went into the classroom because it's like for two weeks and they were all so smart. And I was like, I'm like not really smart. <laughs> we all know you're smart. We all know you're smart. I know we point at Noah, but we all we all know you're smart. Sure. Okay, and so, yeah, they were really smart, and they knew what they were doing, and it was like, oh, yeah, we already did this in class, and I was like, I stayed quiet. I was just, didn't talk to anyone. I bet that at least, how many people were there? Uh, It was like 17 in the classroom. I bet at least two or three looked at you and felt the same way. Pro it was like three, three of us. We just didn't, had no clue what we were doing. How many of you all speak another language in this room? So I'm just letting you all know that speaking another language, it's been studied and it's been known that the way you end up thinking about problems and situations are more diverse than those that are monolingual. No offense to the people who speak one language. But I, and I say that because everybody has their, their superpower and it's not everybody in those spaces are going to, you're unique to you. So, like, walking into those spaces, thinking about it in that way, it might give you a different tell for yourself when you're walking into certain spaces. You guys are used to it here because it's predominantly diverse. But, like, in spaces where I was in, I was normally the only one that was speaking two languages. And so I never gave myself enough credit for that when I ended up work walking into other worlds and really thinking about it. Like, I can think about certain solutions and problems that I know my peers can't because of the way that I grew up in two different worlds. Oh yeah, um, to add on it, I feel like I'm gonna feel that way again this summer because I'm gonna 
do it again. Not that exactly, but it's almost that. It's like summer at brown, so then yeah. this time you just see. I would say take inventory, but let me know. I'll come back. I'll just come back to find out. <laughs> is there a small part of you so that's that that knows that you belong now because this is your second summer going, even if it's a slightly uh, different program? No, I I feel like I just go because I'm just curious. But I know as soon as I get there, I'm gonna get all anxious. But. In a second, I'm going to ask everybody, I know this is supposed to be conversational, but I am going to go around the table and I'm going to ask you how you deal with anxiety, what heals you when you're feeling anxious. I think we did this a year ago and I'd love to hear from especially the new people, but I want to hear from everybody. And I know music is the most common one. So I'm going to ask you to, if music is yours, like what's your number two? You could still say music, but what's your number two? But I also want to share that Steambox which some of you have spent a great deal of time with and some of you are new and you guys have taken it just so far and done such dope things. Steambox started because of probably my imposter syndrome. Steambox started because at the last organization I worked at, there was a white lady who told me that, you know, I could, a person like me, a hoodie like me could never run an organization like that. And we are doing way bigger and better things than that organization ever did right now in year 10. So I just want you to know that imposter syndrome, at first, I give you the first half of the story when I was younger, at first I quit. I quit that theater program and I went and did other things in college because I had imposter syndrome. But as an adult, when I learned how to wield my own inner rage, inner thoughts, all that stuff, um, I turned it into, I, I kind of weaponized it. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to just be bigger and better than your organization. And that's what I did. That's what Steambox is. Exactly what is imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome is when you have the ability and the capability and you believe that you are not capable to do it with yeah, that nice. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> like, that's the, that's the, like, the very fine point of it. Like someone invites you to be somewhere or you get an award as someone stated and then, Yeah. Enzo's story about him being in a room full of smart yeah. people. I I have it I have it so so much. I have it so so much. And there's and I think a lot of it has to do with my childhood. A lot of it has to do with me being in white schools uh when when I spoke neither English nor Spanish well because I got both all the time, but none of them well. Um and also, as a Puerto Rican, I am very light-skinned. So to a lot of people, and this came up on the Japan trip, there was another chaperone who told me that, uh, who told me that I, I didn't experience racism because I'm Puerto Rican and light-skinned. And, um, and I was angry the whole, I was angry the whole trip. Um, I, I always, that's, that's what I get from other Latinos. What I get from other Latinos is that I'm, I may as well be white. But white people don't treat me like that. You know what I mean? So I don't really fit in anywhere. So I kind of have imposter syndrome everywhere I go. Um, and I just had to learn how to deal with that and, again, weaponize it. And I feel like I've done okay with that. It still makes me have rage sometimes. But when I do have rage or when I do have anxiety or when I do have problems, um, I know that I like to blow up other people's cars in Rocket League. Not, not bots. I want to play other, like, I don't care if it's a 12-year-old or a 40-year-old. I do not care. I want to blow up their cars. I'm not even trying to win the game. I'm just trying to make them miserable by blowing up their cars in Rocket League. I love playing video games. That's kind of 
my escape. My son loves to take walks. That's how he deals with it. I want to know how you deal with it. Who wants to start us off and be ready? Because then I'm going to just go around. So before we start, did you want to, is there another imposter syndrome story? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I sort of, um, so, uh, yeah. Um, In elementary school, I was in this after school program called Girls on the Run. And so uh, we, at the end of like the year of the program, we all went to like the, where was it? Like Providence University, I think. I don't know. Um, and so we all had to run. Um, so when I did it, it was like me and then like a couple of my friends, but we weren't so close. Um, and then there was like a bunch of other white girls. And it was like, it was really weird. It was just, yeah, strange. It made you feel some, did they make you feel some kind of way or did you feel some kind of way in your head? In my head. Yeah. I, and sometimes, sometimes it'd be like that. Sometimes other people aren't even alienating us and we're alienating ourselves. And that's still qualifies who wanted to tell me about how they deal with anxiety go ahead no so first i would say is just like talking with a friend like having a conversation that's helpful and then also like you just said about your son walking outside like just taking a walk like today in the day because i'm stressed about graduating because as a school calls it it's going green with like everything that we need to graduate so literally i went out of school today and i just took a walk to nothing go to Got a drink, how old you And you took your walk. Yeah, because it's nice today. And now you're talking with friends. And, then, and also, because like... He didn't give me that one. Did you notice that? Yeah. For example, like when I went to the Grand Canyon, because the school for me was in the canyon. Yep. When I was there, I was able to like be away from all like the stress and anxiety. I'm just like, I don't want to do a whole thing. It felt so nice just to be away. Yo, Kids in the Canyon, for our audience at home who don't know, <laughs> it's a dope-ass program where they are taking uh, Central Falls students to the Grand Canyon. Keith's giving me the no, kill it. Uh, which which I, I agree with. I think uh, travel is, uh, what do they say? It's the it's the antidote for ignorance. So it just seems amazing to give you guys an opportunity to even recenter yourself somewhere far away. Why are you giving me the no? Because uh, during our trip to Japan, we had spies in our- <laughs> We did have students on the Japan trip wearing They're kids in the canyon hoodies. Uh, but, for, <laughs> but, to, but to clarify, to clarify, I think it's a dope program. And one of the things that I did try to do during our during our trip is since our podcast is so big, I tried to connect with the kids in the canyon and we tried to make it work so that we can, from opposite sides of the world on two different experiences, have a podcast together. It didn't work out. But that was, I think I tried to contact you. About- yeah, I, no one has services at Grand Canyon. This article of clothing called a hoodie is like the biggest shell I've ever had in my life. And it's helped me so much. So like every time I don't have a hoodie on, it, it like it's weird. So today, for our audience at home, today it's probably going, it's almost 80 degrees yeah, here gonna have a hoodie. in Rhode Island. And Keith is rocking his hoodie. Um, and, and that's what's up, right? Like it, 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 It's what helps. It protects me from it. Does it? I, I meant, a moment ago, I was talking about how it makes me feel in, not only invisible, but also invincible, right? Like as long as I've got the hoodie on, I'm good. You can't really get through to me. Is it have similar... How would you explain it? Not the invisible part. Invisible part. I would say it's more of like um, invent inventable probably because like it feels as if like all right if I don't have the hoodie on everybody like sees it's like how a show. yeah it's like a show everybody sees like how vulnerable I am and how I actually act and, and how I actually look and it's just like I prefer having the hoodie because it makes me feel comfortable around a lot of people. What solves your anxiety? Fine. Yeah. It kind of depends what type of anxiety I'm feeling. Like if it's a lot of anger, 
set of anxious, like what you said. I get on Call of Duty with a flame shotgun and just start killing people. <laughs> or if it's something like I'm anxious for something that's coming up, I like to start like just cutting random things. So like paper with the scissors, maybe cutting some carrots with a knife, maybe helping my mom make dinner by cutting some of the vegetables for her. It just is really soothing. People are so weird right now about some of those things. And as an adult, I can totally relate. I get it. I understand how like being destructive in a fantasy world um, is, is Dead Island. When I came yeah. back from Japan, Dead Island really did it for me because I can attack zombies and stuff like that. But also, I, I have no, I have no, I just want to clarify and I'm hoping that you can relate. That doesn't mean that I want to take a flamethrower to people in real life. I know there's going to be people at home who can't relate to us playing video games and being destructive in video games and would wonder if that transfers to real life. And you and I are both right now saying, no, it doesn't. That's our fantasy world where, where we do that. Chloe, what, uh, how do you deal with your anxiety? I like to say I'm an independent person, but I'm not. <laughs> That's why Cam is always with me. So I always need someone there to lean on or talk to whenever I'm anxious or in a bad mood. I never noticed that. I did notice that you wanted to try Steambox and you dragged Cam here with you and you were like, "I, Cam, you're going to love this. But that was for you as much as it was for Cam. I also dragged her into our science program at the high school called Smile. So me and Tim are constantly together now. What is it about having somebody with you that cures some of your anxiety? Um, Growing up, I just was never by myself. I always had someone around or in my eyesight so whenever something happened i would always go to the nearest person and right now cam is the nearest person in my life would you have been able to say that if cam was in the room and she hadn't just left you would have yeah because i'm not ashamed to say it i lean on cam cam leans on me that's uh that's very very right. i do like two things i when i either read or i um <laughs> or i make a ton of bracelets you make bracelets. So while while we are destroying things, you are creating things. Yeah, I once I made like 20 bracelets and I just gave them out. Okay. All right. What's up with our bracelet? That's what that's that's the question. Yeah. Next time I'm anxious, I'll let you guys know. That's, that's what we're wearing <laughs> Oh, Riri's got some? Oh yeah. Riri's showing off. Riri is your cam. And then Melanie got some and then she got some. Damn, must be nice. Exactly. <laughs> she made those. I taught her. I made them. Yeah, I taught her not like DNO he's like. How many do you have? Um, one more, three, four, five, six. Six. I either like eat, um, or like, I'm pretty sure sure it's called dis disassociating. So like, I'll like dive in a book, I'll watch a movie, or like, I'll try and like, what's the word I'm looking for? Or I'll, or I'll take a shower too. Yeah. So those are all huh. good coping mechanisms. Disassociation is like kind of when we like leave our space. Like we like our body is physically there, but we're no longer like kind of like in the space anymore of where we have anxiety like you mentally like, what happened you're like well no it's just kind of like you go you just like kind of go it's a it can it, it can be at some points like if we're going through a traumatic situation some people tend to dissociate where they just kind of like it's like a blank slate and you're just like kind of not there and so you kind of like disengage a little bit from your body it's Do you like think that associates with maladaptive disorder like well like it what are these it words? Can, what it are these can, words? Sorry, <laughs> they can turn into like not maladaptive behavior. So it's normally a negative connotation. It normally has a negative meaning. But the thing is that 
when you're going through a traumatic situation and you do it, it kind of like it's a protective mechanism. But if we continue to do it over time in life and in not such stressful situations, but like we're trying to focus in a classroom or doing something and we start to do that, then it starts to become maladaptive or not such a good behavior. So that's why I say it because I'm like, it's actually the things that you talked about were really healthy coping skills because you're like, you're detaching yourself from whatever's causing you the anxiety. So you're like kind of detaching yourself from something that's no longer like, so you no longer have that anxiety. So you're kind of disconnecting yourself from the problem and then finding a healthy space to come back to it. So disassociative is like a medical term because I get it. I get it when you said it. And yeah. then I get it when she said it, because when you said it, it makes sense that it's disassociating the from problem, those things. From right. Yep. And then I understand the medical term too. Uh, both good to know. Thank you for sharing. Homie in the steam box shirt. Thank you. Thank you for contributing to our podcast. What do you do when you have rage, anxiety, depression? What is your mechanism? These people are my mechanism. These they, people are your mechanism. Yeah. These people. <laughs> they um help me feel safe in the environment that I'm in, and when I'm <laughs> if I'm <laughs> I can't tell if it's cry or laugh. I can't. Yeah, please. They just help me feel better. All right. Do do you get that? Do you get that a lot? Do they do they help you feel better a lot? What is happening? Okay. Why is she so dry? Um, I'm I'm happy to hear it. I love whenever I see any evidence of the Steambox bond. I love that and I need that and sometimes I need a reminder. So the fact that we have that together in this room is so helpful for me. I really appreciate it. Lewis, what's one of your mechanisms? Uh, I think mine is just like just trying to fool around, play basketball, or like they just punch it. Wait, 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 wait. We're a group of nerds. Do you, did you mean basketball IRL? <laughs> yeah. In real like yeah, like you go outdoors? outside dribbling and stuff. Yes, uh, I touch the grass. Imagine outdoors, crazy. Touch wait, the grass. You, <laughs> you, you bro. sweat? You sweat? I'm outside. I get a, a ball and I, I throw into a. Uh, ooh. I think you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something crazy. They just added it to Earth. I it's like. Patch of that, bro. I think I'm one update behind, bro. When was that? Ha- when did that happen? You're gonna have to reapply for Steambox membership. I think we're gonna have to take a look at this. Uh, see what's up. See, like you know, uh, I, I think I passed the you know the thing twice now. But being outside playing basketball is helpful to you. Yeah, because that it's like the air. Do you, do you, are, here's a, and this might be too personal and please let me know. Do you, like, if, if you're feeling monstrous, if you had a really bad day, when you go play basketball, are you more aggressive? Oh, nah, like, when I, when I mean, I get, like, if I do get aggressive, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm playing basketball. I'm getting my boxing gloves and I'm fighting shit in my, <laughs> like, my room. But besides that, fast, basketball. Now like, he's revealed, <laughs> he's back to a Steambox nerd now because he said, he didn't say fighting people. He's like, I'm fighting shit in my room. <laughs> Like, if anything, I get my dad, he'll hold the, the shit, and I, I punch the shit out of his hand. But, like, besides that, Your I dad, I, was that for you? Yeah, he, like... That's that, very sweet. Yeah. He, he's actually... He, when I was, like, younger, he taught me how to box a little bit. But 
Besides that, I lower the rim at my house for basketball, and I dunk that shit to like I want the hoop to break. So if you're gonna revoke his membership, you have to revoke almost everyone here because they go to uh, basketball court a lot. <laughs> like we all go to the basketball. Don't be nuts. Don't be nuts. No, I know you guys go to the basketball court a lot, but they, he, he's talking about actually playing. They play. We play. What? Are you stitching? Wow. <laughs> Every single person like this one. Who was a shooter? Like, no, I mean, no, no, I'm like, no, no, not me. I don't know what that is. We're, we're ruining. <laughs> we are ruining our legendary nerd status. Adam's at like football practice or something like that. <laughs> what's your, what's your mechanism? When I'm mad or when I'm just like nervous, I just play video games. Like, like any kind of video game. So it doesn't even have to be destructive. No, it don't matter. Well, actually, yes, because if I'm losing, I will throw shit around my room out of full anger. <laughs> like, if I die two or three times in a row from the same person, I will start to throw stuff all around my room with zero hesitation. I've got great news for you. At around the age of, I'd say I was probably 40, at around the age of 40, um, you stop throwing your controller. You just be like, nah, they're too expensive. And you stop Like that already. It's like, all right, well, I'm too broke to decide to bring the controller in. That's when you got a water bottle. Throw a water bottle. So if you've got if you got some kind of like a like an anxiety or a depression and you're on like a live platform, you're talking to people live, are you are you tox? Oh, his face says it all. Oh, it's fine, live kid. It's, in my opinion, I feel like toxicity is a good thing, you know? But the sadder stuff, other than during games. Wait, wait, one at a time, one at a time. It is a podcast. During games, during games, I feel like it's a good thing. Because then it's like, you know, it makes you feel like, as a person that's getting, you know, somebody to being toxic towards you, it makes you feel like, wow. This kid really sucks this game. I'm glad that I got him to this point for the fact that he's breaking the stuff so he doesn't have to play this game anymore for how bad. So so the flip side, and I'm gonna the flip side, uh, can people trigger you online? Yeah, I will say yes. But like I said, it's it comes to the point I was like, I'm not gonna get angry like that because I'm too broke to break anything. In Rocket League, they only have nice things to say, nice pass, blah blah blah. If you're a goalie, what a save. But people have used that what a save. So if they score on you, they're like, what a save, what a save, what a save, what a save. Hey, for me, it's been anytime I've played Overwatch, right, and I've lost the game, it's always the the team saying thanks. Because it's saying, <laughs> Does that drive you nuts? Yeah. At first I was confused. I was like, yo, I didn't even do it. You like it just says K-Y space S. Oh, the space is crazy. By the way, for, for our audience and for anybody who doesn't know, uh, when they say KYS, they're, they're saying something really bad. They're telling you uh, the most horrible thing that they can say to do to yourself is what they're saying when they do that. But they put a space so that it doesn't get flagged and they don't get in trouble and stuff like that by putting the space. Do, do you get triggered when you're playing video games? Yes, very. So can it be both your healthy space and your triggered space? Like, is that a problem? I would say so, yeah. I'm going to I'm actually going to circle back to this in a little bit. Go ahead. See, I'll say the trigger thing. When I get triggered at video games, like it's about maybe five minutes max. Then after those five minutes, it's like, damn, I really just got mad at video games. And it's like that, just that whole time, just like, what was I even mad about in the first place before I started playing? Like, what was happening? And it just, it kind of makes you like, get 
Do we have any girls in the room that get triggered by video games? Chloe's saying yes. Vanessa's saying yes. Vanessa, what happens in a video game that triggers you? Well, it's not. It's not really a trigger. It's her like um, it's losing. Too much breathing. <laughs> I, I frustration of losing. Yeah, that that for me is like it all of a sudden becomes a little like unhealthy. I'm like, all right, now I have to ruin myself because I was doing something with this, and it's not helping me in any way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Are you saying your brother triggers you? Or are you saying your brother is your coping mechanism? No. Why are you pointing at your brother? Oh, because she says she loses a lot. Dang. Oh. Damn. Damn. That's, yeah. Uh, what is your, what is your mechanism? Can I call it coping mechanism? Is this? Yeah, you can. I yeah. think anything that makes you feel or get out of whatever it is, is your coping mechanism, as long as it's healthy and not maladaptive behavior. So, oh my goodness, I have I still don't have that new word yet. I'm going to have to figure it out after yeah. when we go offline. Say it one more time. Maladaptive. Mel, mel or mal? Mal. mal. Malad so that's the bad, right? Yes. Maladaptive behavior. What's your coping mechanism? Uh, For me... I don't really get anxiety, but when like I'm upset, I'm like the opposite of Chloe. Do you I get rage. Oh, uh, sometimes I get angry, of course, but it's just like I just get an attitude. It's not like, like cussing, yelling, punching stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just isolate myself, so I don't talk to anyone. Like even when I'm just normal, I don't talk to anybody here. I sell like group chats, like one on one. Self time. Did you notice that's the opposite of yeah. other people? I just said opposite of Chloe. That's interesting. So I, I just like to isolate because I never really, I was never really close to anyone. Yeah. Now I know that you've done this amazing journey where you're trying something new every year, which I think should somebody that should be somebody's life goal. Like somebody should adapt that and make that a life goal because I think that's dope. I don't have the, the only it, reason I do it is because it shuts my brain off. Like I can't think about anything. Like when I learned how to do Olympic lifting, which is a style of lifting, when you're throwing weight above your head, you yep. can't think about it. Like I learned how to swim one year. Like I can't think about my problems and learn what I'm supposed to be doing with my breathing and my arms. Like I tried that and then I started to sink and I was like, all right, you can't do that, right? Yeah. So like doing new things like that, like totally wipes me out where I'm just like focused on whatever activity I'm doing because I am that intense in life. I'm that intense in the work that I do, the, my passion, my loves. So it's the, the coping mechanism that I find has to be as intense as me. Hey, Pride Parade, whole bunch of white boys and you out there banging the drum. Like it's wild. But the drum was honestly, the reason I started doing the bass drum like that was one because I have a really supportive friend that also plays a drum. So I knew that if I needed someone, yeah. I could count on that really supportive friend to be like, hey, how do I do this? Because I never played drums in my life. Yeah. But what helped me was the vibrations. Because when you're holding the drum, the bass drum on your chest, the vibrations of music, that's why music makes us feel so calm, is because of the vibrations and the music that that's how it ends up soothing us. So music, yes. Can you also confirm that for you, trying new things reduces toxicity in your life? Yeah, it does. It does because it makes me a better human for the people around you too. Okay. But I do, um, I do when I'm really upset or I'm really emotional, I can do the Mexican grito, like the mariachi, <laughs> yep. and I do that in my car. Like if I'm going to a meeting where I know there's toxicity, I'll do that and I'm like, remember where you came from, remember who you are, remember what your purpose is in that meeting. And then I go in. Or if I walk out and people were just awful, 
I I just I'm like I just need to like yell it out, and so that's what I do is a Mexican grito. Did you just add on to what she said? Did you? No, she was she nodded at me as I was. Saying oh, that. is there something you recommend? <laughs> it's from Coco. They do it, yeah, Coco. They do it in Coco. <laughs> Coco makes me cry. Uh, what's your coping mechanism? I got two more things to say to her. Oh, go ahead. It's understand. What do you think causes people to? Uh, how do I say? It? How do they get borderline personality disorder? So borderline personality disorder is a diagnosis that can happen from trauma. Yeah. So like when people when people end up and then don't end up having healthy coping mechanisms at a young age. So that's why things like this are so important because if we don't start really focusing on how we balance our mental health and our well-being or have support people, then we continue to be part of those maladaptive behaviors. Okay, what about bipolar? Bipolar is a is um is a uh, a chemistry. So it's a body chemistry thing. And it's the one diagnosis that is curable like not curable, but that you can take a medication to be able to manage the the swings that happen with bipolar. Okay, great. So like and then there's and then I encourage my clients to have therapy because I've had some people that have been had therapy they were taking the medication, have had therapy, and built their support systems, and then didn't have to take medication anymore because they built like a village around them. Great, got my mental illnesses in check. All right. <laughs> uh, what else do I got? Do I have anything else I want to? How do you how do you cope? How do you cope with? I don't have any coping mechanisms. Honestly, you have no the coping mechanisms. You, I could you, say being maladaptive disorder. Yep. There's just a daydreaming. Uh, before in 2020, when I was like the most anxious, I had a relationship, but it was very abusive. But like. Since I was like, I'm a, you know, borderline personality disorder. Uh, no, maybe something else. But like, it's along the lines of that. But I'm a very loving person. And I'll give all my love instead of myself. And so I love that person very much that I ignored all their red flags. And they used me a lot. And uh, most of the problems I had were like really not talked about. Mm. But I focused on them more than myself. So obviously that affected me more. And then the whole relationship, we had like several breakups. Uh, the whole relationship, like overall with all the breakups and stuff, lasted about two years. And just like after we were like fully done, like I blocked them, they blocked me. Uh, I was just like really fucked up. And uh, it really took a toll on me. What got you out of it? How did you, this is separate from earlier. It, it might be coping, but if if you were... If you were fucked up after a relationship, I've been fucked up after a relationship. Has anybody else here been fucked up after a relationship? I know you're very young, but <laughs> some of us have been fucked up after a relationship. And it's really hard to get out of. How did you how did you get out? Because you're here now. You're sharing. I don't think I'm fully out of it because I'm even though they really fucked me up, I still I still love them. So I, you know, when you ask me that question, it's really important like that I always encourage people because that's, you know, that's, I gave layman's term about those diagnoses, but uh, we, you, we tend to use a lot of the diagnoses or a lot of the language loosely. And I would encourage people like, you know, unless like diagnosed by a therapist or a professional, it's like being careful. Cause like, I remember there was a certain time period where people kept on saying that they were bipolar. And I was like, well, I like, it's hard. It's it's important to like know the definitions of them because as 
the more we say those things about ourselves, we end up labeling ourselves and we kind of, again, put ourselves in like a holding pattern. Yeah. So like instead of saying like, I have a friend that challenged me, the same guy that I did the drums with, uh, that's a really good friend of mine. I used to say my anxiety and he's like, are you cradling your anxiety? It's like a little baby that you want to hold. And I was like, oh, it's true. Like I have, I had, I've have had anxiety. I have anxiety, but it's not like my anxiety. Cause once we make it own it that way, then it like, it, it becomes us at the same time too. I think I've been so traumatized that for too long, uh, I just go back to the way I've used to been. And so whenever I get like comfortable and like actually in like a healthy state, I always destroy myself over again as self-sabotage. And that's why like, uh, since you're like a therapist, yeah. psychologist, that's why I like brought, like I know I have mental illnesses, but I don't want to self-diagnose myself and I don't want to worry my family. Yeah. Just because I love them, but like we're not very close for me to like bring my problems up with them. And so... I just thought I would ask you. Yeah. See I see if my Well, I think uh, you know. I think it's like important like this is the part, right? Like that's what therapists are for is for your curiosity, but you get that space for yourself. Like and I say that to everybody here. Like therapy, I started the only reason I went into therapy is because I was going to become a therapist and I went in because I wanted to know what it was like to be sitting on the other side. Like I'm like how am I going to be giving someone a service when they when I haven't ever received it. And so I went, I went to therapy and I checked it out and I've had a lot of family members that have gone into therapy and it's just a good space to be able to talk about anything. That's where my like, self-sabotage goes though. Yeah. I can't openly talk about it. You just shared some things that I, I found it courageous that you even shared what yeah. you shared. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of big time. There's sometimes where I, again, where I was saying a few minutes ago, like sometimes I need a reminder I had I had a really bad experience a month ago in the program where I felt like uh, Angela and I were so angry about something that was happening in the program. And I felt like uh, some things that were happening were not safe for students. And I felt like it was taken from me. Power was taken from me in a certain way to ensure student safety. And I I need I need to bring it back to this. And you just showed that you feel safe enough sharing that. And it, it's restoring, it's growing me back a little bit because my morale has probably been a little lower. I really appreciate that. I want to say thank you. I know I'm running out of time and I want to get to everybody. And there's actually a couple more topics I wanted to get to, but that's going to have to wait for another episode. So can you quickly please describe to me what your coping mechanism is? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I was to play volleyball. Volleyball is, your, that's how you deal with things. Do you really feel like, do you feel like, you get things out when you play volleyball. Do you feel better afterward? That is, that's probably an endorphins thing as well. Uh, Riri is threatening you right now. Riri's across the no, room saying she's going to mess you up. I am the of her volleyball anxiety. Spike the ball in your yes. face. Oh, I know. Yes. Spike the ball in not in my face. Not in my face. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. That actually the last time we played volleyball. How do you how do you deal with your uh, how do you deal with anxiety, rage, depression? Probably just. I'm probably just kind of close myself a bit and just watch YouTube, I guess. You isolate? Yeah. Does it, putting the rest of the world off, does that help you out a little bit? Yeah. I do that when I'm upset. You do that when you're upset? Isaiah. I still like 
Whenever I'm at home, in order to get rid of anxiety, I usually play video games, like try to take a little nap, like and stuff, you know. But I take a little nap to get rid of anxiety. Whenever I'm at my, I'm at my grandmother's house, I use like to get rid of anxiety to help by helping her clean the rabbits' cages and working and and working out along with my uncle whenever he's not at work. Yeah. And whenever I'm like in the school or in the program. Best to just chill and hang out with all my friends here. Yeah, I'm happy that you are in the program. I was so happy the day that we put that broken ass new MacBook in your hand, <laughs> and I was even happier when we got the 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 repaired new MacBook. Uh, Apple can go to hell. I <laughs> real quickly, um, real quickly, I I gotta ask the question. We had somebody on who um, talks about talks about body positivity. Yeah, and. I was amazed at something they said. I totally disagreed, but I'm happy that this person finds positivity here. This person said that social media makes them feel healthy and social media is a good thing. Again, I've already let in and I'm sorry if I've influenced anybody with this, but I'm asking, do other people feel that way too? Because I, I wonder if social media is toxic and I wonder about the same thing about video games. Are they more good than bad for our mental mental wellness specifically? I think it matters on your toughness though. It's like how you can handle things and how you are on social media. Like so if someone else like had a temper, probably not. I know. You're bulletproof. I like that. Be prepared. Bulletproof people have bad days too. I just want to make sure you're prepared for when you have a bad day. Uh social media, video games, more positive than negative or more negative than positive? positive. More positive than negative. Positive. Positive. I, I agree. It, so I think on social media, it shows what you want to see. So if you just don't want to see something, just click off and go somewhere else. No? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I said, like, it depends on this on how you handle it. Like, I see some people that's probably more negative because they either spend so much time on it or they really affected by things. But, like, for me, like, when people are mad that they're doing it, I just laugh at it. It's a game, you know? Or for social media, I don't really, like, have much social media besides the YouTube is what to talk with my friends. So I don't see all of that so it depends how you know i do the game aspect i don't trust him because he's a troll uh, i agree as his brother he's like what do you mean i'm publicly a troll so, uh <laughs> if you ever ask romeo or eli or cj and then he's sending you flame jigglypuff <laughs> or any game let's see he's a he's he's secretly a troll imagine oh, living with him he's he's so, listen, wait, i just want to ask something has someone who's lived with him my entire life even before there was like online games, when you have the local play with a freaking tryhard, you're gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can handle baby raging. Games. Does he teabag you in real life? Is he just yes? Um, no, I actually I feel like in real life I'm more of the uh, dickhead. Excuse my language, because like in volleyball, if he makes a mistake, I'm more on him. But like in video games, he he owns me. I hate to say, it, but <laughs> think about so, is that Noah's the type to like beat you, laugh. But he's not like making fun of you. He's just laughing at you for being bad. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm like every time I play Apex, I'm like, Noah, you're so good. He's like, <laughs> just get better. <laughs> All right, Noah the legend. Uh, what do you think about what you've heard today? And what's something that people should consider as a tool moving forward? So what I've heard today is how vulnerable you all can be in this space, right? So something and everything is working in here. And that kind of 
if you if you can figure out how to continue to do this throughout your lives and having a space like this a safe space where you can be vulnerable and like shoot the shit that's exactly what it you need for the rest of your life it's a community and you know what he does here is like just amazing because not everybody gets to have this and you guys know this because you guys i'm sure have no people on school that don't have this so I would say keep on doing this and keep on building circles like this because you get to be who you are and what you want to be and no one gets to define that shit for you. I really appreciate everybody's vulnerability and I love taking time to try to build around some of the things that we said. So I might be doing that moving forward. You brought up a couple of things today that I thought were words that I'd never heard before. <laughs> and maybe I can try to find a way to build on some of this stuff moving forward so that we can continue like productive conversations. Next time on Joyful Rebellion in two weeks, we're gonna talk about school and the impact that it has on our wellness. So that's in two weeks. Steampunks, warriors from Central Falls, please say peace out to the world. Peace, peace. Oh. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you.